0: Hey y'all, this is Johnny Five and I'm talking to you on Tuesday, October 2nd, October 3rd and we're actually scrambling to go on tour tomorrow. Um, we're headed out to Idaho and Oregon if you guys are out there, um, Boise, Jerome and uh, and uh, Bend, Oregon, we're coming for you. Um, and uh, this week actually I think we're going to try something a little different which is that uh, there's a conversation we just recorded today. The whole thing was recorded today. And um, we're going to just try um, playing you this conversation. And, you know, it's not edited. It's just a raw conversation from today. Um, this is with a guy named Adam Stone, who actually contributed to one of the songs on our album, Failure Games. Um, and he's an incredible musician in his own right under the, uh, the moniker Lucy. And uh, also um, uh, Stefan's wife, Jen Wood, who's brilliant and thoughtful and compassionate chimed in on the conversation. So, um, this is a very organic conversation and uh, part of this is we're trying to figure out what it is you all enjoy most um, from us in this podcast and uh, you know, this particular conversation is timely in real time and so if, if you like that, if you like hearing us kind of react to things happening in the world, um, we could try to make that even more of a priority. Uh, but anyway, let let us know what's meaningful. And um, today's conversation is is about art. It's about uh, failure, um, and it's also about talking. It's a there's we're talking about talking, and I think actually um, chewing on how to do social justice work in a way that is compassionate to everyone involved and respectful to everyone involved um, is uh, is a big part of it too. So. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation, and uh, we'll hit you up from the road in a few days. Oh, okay, cool,
1: cool. Well, uh... so, Pat,
0: yo, man, what happened? What's
1: up? What's up? You hit me up about the Akira video.
2: Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> so we've we, we just... Adam, Adam, Jen, and myself were having like this incredible conversation that was talking about arts, autism, the hidden language of trees... Life orientation, race, all of those things. It, Signing it, villages, it was beautiful and open. And now Adam has all these microphones in his face, <laughs> and like he went from like Adam is incredibly animated. Oh, this is recording. That's we're
0: recording. Yeah, I mean, you guys were having a conversation. And I walked in, like, ready to record the intro for this podcast, mm. and suddenly there's microphones everywhere. Yeah. And, now, and now, yeah. now,
1: now Adam's like, "What the hell is going on?" Man? But
0: I mean. Adam, you're not you're not irrelevant to our listeners because you're not irrelevant either. As a human being, well, this is all very generous. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But you're even if. if
1: but does 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 an irrelevant person like have two microphones put into his face all of a sudden? I don't I don't know. Who yes. You're putting microphones in
2: front of I don't it's know. Their, if you're they're at, you, of at
0: you, Adam Stone? Well, sure. The microphones don't give me relevance though. For anyone that's read the full credits of our album, you'll notice the name Adam Stone under the song Failure
2: Games. Okay. Well, I'll take that as my my relevance to to the. Full what, box what's your memory band. of making that song with us? Uh, it was. I mean, it was wonderful. I mean, it's. Well, what, what, like, did you even know that that song was was like going to be on the album? No, no, I had no idea. I mean, we were we were i was just playing some keys and like going back and forth i'd never been like directed which which i felt like that was was very much like being directed which was nice it was like like uh like directing in the way that i that i direct when i'm when i'm directing like performers and stuff but like i felt like it was being directed and just kind of like playing but having you know some freedom and had yeah i had no idea um what it was going to be or not be or anything and it was really exciting to hear it for sure see um I know this is going to be
1: weird because I'm going to be talking to somebody but I'm not talking to you yeah, I'm to be talking yeah. about, about you yeah, yeah. so just, just I, adjust I've listened, podcast. Yes. <laughs> I've listened to podcasts he knows I've listened to podcasts Adam Stone um, also known as the recording artist Lucy is uh, one of the dopest minds to ever come out of Denver uh, he's squirming while I'm saying this but I, this cat can do just about anything and everything and do it really well he's too passionate to half step and it's just amazing And so one day Jamie and I went up to his apartment and I just started describing the scene and Adam started playing to it he's that kind of person.
0: And actually to back up a step you're because you won't tout your own genius in this we one of what we wanted the thing we wanted to do with this album is go delve into different emotional places and so one of those places was uh, was the concept of failure or disillusionment and we were describing it to Adam but Stephen, you stood behind him while he was on the piano, and you just, you actually painted this incredibly beautiful scene, um, just, it, it felt like it was a part of a script, it was so perfect and pristine as a piece of writing, except for you were just freestyling this description of, um, of this scene, and then you, Adam, played the music to that, which we then recorded, and the, a loop of that became the song Failure Games.
2: Well, Good. Well, I, I mean, I think one of the one of the nice things, you know, com- coming to this, it was kind of a second, a second a- attempt, it, you know, at at this type of process, because before Stefan had asked me to play the piano live at the museum to to right. a, to a painting, at the Denver Art Museum, right, and it was like specifically to this painting. So when you talk about him then painting this picture, w- which it was a very physical, you know, uh, picture and something I could re- really see and play to, it was, it was just kind of calling back to, to that kind of process, which I am really interested in doing, um, and just kind of intuitively play, f- feeling out the keys instead of, instead of, you know, trying to write something that did, because the music doesn't describe the scene. The music is a reaction to
0: the scene, and so. Well, and it occurs to me that, like, we're talking about this on a, you know, the day, at, two days after what happened in Las Vegas, where I'm realizing that that same, feeling not necessarily in a movement context but just on a human level of like that is the ultimate failure when somebody just takes the life of 59 people like that but like i mean we we put together a song yesterday reacting to that um a remix of of um of our song rattle the cage and seven puts the visuals to, to it yesterday and some people may have seen it will we even remember the date no send them a tape this is my enemy's face show my enemy's face. song Wait, there's been a mistake I said it was venomous hate But at the end of the day, it's me I look in the mirror and enter the stage Stage left, stage right Stage fight, take breath, take life Legal weapon, broad daylight Terror, 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 stage fright Page by page, by day by day Comes I stay, my say One way, my way, highway guns play. I can't get my computer to work there's a
2: virus. have, have you cr- done any creating in the last day? no have you felt no creative? And, and and well and, and one of the things about that is that you know the scene that was being painted by Stefan for for the song that we did together was more abstract than that and and something that I feel especially if I'm doing music and i'm not writing writing words is that it, that can't be treated as like a, a as an essay it can't communicate the same way so i feel i feel very hesitant to do to do things so directly responsive unless i'm actually talking talking about the thing and even even then sometimes i it, for me i feel the need to respond Abstractly, unless I am writing an actual essay or article. Like if I'm writing lyrics, a lot of the times they become, you know, like on, on my own album, I'm responding to a lot of things very honestly, but but you don't hear those those things called you wouldn't out directly. Know. You wouldn't know what it was responding to. Exactly. And it's and it's because I, I just feel that it doesn't feel like uh, it doesn't feel like something that's able to be that that literal, and that I would have the ability to communicate that thing. And I'm not trying to communicate that thing. I'm just dealing with it in the in the in the way that I use language, um, and when I write, it tends to be very very broken and very not you know very not grammatically correct. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's even more true with with music, like really actually describing either the feelings that I'm feeling or describing a situation or a scene is impossible mm-hmm. with, with with music and so being able to respond to something more abstractly through you know by talking about failure and then I'm just kind of like dealing that I'm not describing failure I'm just dealing with it in the moment mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so and so that's that's much more like how I would respond but but something so immediate like that especially yes. is it, I mean you're not describing
0: it you're dealing with it yeah okay yeah I'm just taking that in that's pretty you're like it's that, deep.
1: yeah. No, just, yeah. Like, it's also, there's also this whole helpful. bunch of honesty and clarity, and like you don't have to go through all of this um, lens adjustment and yeah, grammar adjusting and um, like making sure that you have like your radical basic and, and check. You're like, no, I'm just
2: going through it, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that like that people, people, I, at least that I talk to, you, sometimes feel the need to like go through some of this stuff, you in, in a way like um in in communication immediately with with other people in a way that does fail and that does break down because because you're you're both you' you're feeling things that that are separate and 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 when you try to put language on them so so immediately like language uh like words it, it really has it's it's difficult to to actually be be communicating, and it's so many other things come into that. That I, I just think there are other ways of, especially being with people that aren't so tied to that. And I don't know, there are other. I'm I'm kind of breaking down in what I'm saying, but
3: seven. Can you tell a bit about the narrative of Failure Games and why did you trust Adam to be the one to translate um, it? All
1: right, um, I'm not sure if you heard Jen in the background. Uh, she's my wonderful collaborator conspirator and I'm so happy to be her husband. And um her question, which is brilliant, like all of her thoughts was, why did I trust Adam to like be the one to help carry the weight of Failure Games and what was the situation that it came out of? And um the situation the Failure Games came out of was just you know, a lot of the album, Jamie and I were looking at ourselves as activists. And um as activists we looked at how many times we fell short of uh toppling the giant of uh, of uh bringing victory the very next day and how like when you start as a young activist you think that everything's going to change tomorrow and um that's not the case and then a lot of times when that fail when that happens you feel like you failed but even in another way um when we have so many brilliant people working on the front lines with so little support particularly young brilliant black men who are um, being hoisted up as leaders, a lot of times those folks who are identified as leaders don't get much support mm-hmm. because they've already been identified as such and are, are expected. They are the support. Yeah, they, they're the support for so many. It's like the the, the Pagliacci thing, where where the the doctor comes up to this man, this man goes and sees his doctor, and the, and the doctor's like, "Oh, well, you're really depressed. Okay, well, you should go see Pagliacci. And then the man like cries. And he's like, "I am Paliaci. I feel like that's what we're doing so many times with young leaders in the black community. And so um, this this young this young man who I. Worked with many times at different movement spaces. His name was Marchand, um, He had taken his life, um, and uh, literally, in, in his uh, kind of the suicide note, he said, uh, "The demons of the demons of one—they've taken over me," and he um, he shot himself on the steps of the state house. And in uh, any time you're dealing with someone who's uh, who has chosen the route of suicide, uh, as somebody who's near them or proximate, you feel like you failed. But in this it felt like I'd failed him as a friend and I felt like we had failed him as a movement. Um, so it was it was a song that it, that had such, I don't know, it had such depth to it that I I felt like I had to go outside of our normal uh, realms to go there because we haven't we've written songs about many things, but we haven't gone to, like to grief on that level. Mm-hmm. And um, after working with Adam and just like watching him, Respond to the Goya piece, um, which I can't remember the name of that Goya piece. But Adam, you you play you play, you played to that piece for about three hours, and people would sit down, and certain folks would just sit in front of that piece, and I saw people being moved to tears. Um, that kind of ability that you have to respond, as you've just said, was the reason that um, that we we came to you, and I felt like I could easily just like talk about. That scene where you feel where where your hopes turn against you, and like you start making enemies out of those people who you thought you were going to um, defeat the stars with, mm-hmm. and
0: uh yeah well, I mean that's what's what, when you when you're thinking just in terms of sort of social movements, you're thinking about masses of people and organizing large groups of people and numbers and turnout, <laughs> and there is this very real risk that you forget about individual people but the stories of individual people, and then just the, the the desperation that someone might be facing. And I think that the easiest person to forget about and all that is always yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that are like, I think, at risk of being in that same situation.
2: Well, it, what's interesting, too, to me about what we're talking about, and I think that this, especially on an individual level, and this, this applies to just humans interacting with humans in general, but specifically because we're talking about black and white, I, I really I think that one of the most useful things that, that like I keep in mind is the, the, uh, the ability and willingness to, be, to, to continually fail. Mm-hmm. Be, being, uh, being white... Continuing to make mistakes and and learn learn from that and admitting not understanding like just continually admitting not understanding and like and just and in that that continual failure hearing what somebody else is saying and and being able to kind of like build build. Uh, Ahead, I build this image of, of other people that's continually more accurate. Um, but but kind of being willing to talk to people and not fearing that that you are going to be like labeled as either either racist or, or you know just or insensitive or whatever it is, but just being willing to continue failing. And, and that's just where I come to it because Well as an artist. Well, just just because I find failure failure to be incredibly important in all of the art that I do and in ever in in life, um, but but yeah, just just that idea and that way of talking to people in a way where you're not afraid of making that mistake, and then when you do make the mistake, which you inevitably do, mm-hmm. to to not feel then attacked because you've made a mistake but see oh you know i made this very genuine mistake and you
0: know with art is it a mistake though when you experience things that are like failures do you actually do you think of them as experience them as failures or are you just like oh there's a dead end or this you know well yeah that was an experiment to get to this bigger project failure yes mistake
2: no like failure absolutely i do view it as that but but a mistake no and the reason i say failure is because like there are certain ideas that I have in mind to, um, you know, I, I I want this image to, uh, you know, affect uh, affect people or or to them to really pay attention to this one moment in something I'm creating and and if if I've tried, you know, sometimes nobody even noticed that that thing happened or mm-hmm. you know nothing was communicated in this thing that I wanted to or this piece of music just doesn't. It doesn't feel like anything when I put it on stage or, you know, but but if I've tried to make the biggest thing possible and then I failed really big, that's Uh the best feeling. Because I know, I know that I tried so, something so outside of, of what I was used to. I tried something I genuinely had no... Something that, that terrified me a lot of the times. Those things fail to communicate the thing, and I've learned how to go approach the next thing. I don't know. Failures seem often like indicators that I'm doing something I've, I've never actually attempted before. Quick Seek of this playboy travel. First class. Active and men. Seek everywhere for Carmen. When the lion make a loud sound. Open read body proud. Found open single, open nude. Woken off or soak and prune. Dry. Ride it
1: if we can embrace failure because even when you're saying like kind of like in a black and white context i would push on and say that's that's the it that that's how we can communicate for me that's one of the anchor points of my christianity is like jesus is like hey here's this ideal that you will not reach And I feel like the anchor point for Christians in my ideal interpretation would be like, hey, we all mess up. That's our unifying factor. And Mm -hmm. I I think it would be very different if a lot of people who are aligned on trying to collect the world and make it more kind and generous were also aligned in knowing that we were going to screw up and fail in it. It seems like that kind of understanding would mean that our conversations wouldn't have to be so litigious. And particularly when I'm talking about like when we're in activist communities, so much of the stuff will not work for people who don't have a certain level of education, who don't have all this time to be able to spend, to learn all this vocabulary. So like the people that we need to win can't step into the room mm-hmm. with where they are and where they're at because they'll make too many mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I can't tell you how many of my family members might say this one word and I immediately be like tarred and feathered. For that word, which, you know, is probably, like, common the colloquialism where they're at. So, like, we have this in the, in, I think many times people seeking justice start making injustices out of small things. And in that same way, we're not focusing on the large injustice. We start, in the same way, like, painting other people as wrong, which is, like, the main emphasis. That's what we call the album No Enemies.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? And, the, like, there's... So if you actually budget in, like, okay, we're all going to be making a lot of mistakes or, or failures or using the wrong language or using language that hurts other people, whatever, however we want to frame it, then there can be, what's the thing that we can proactively do? Like, we can, we can have grace with each other, right? Like, know that we're, you know, look at each other's intentions and move towards them. Um, and, I, and I feel like, you know, forgiveness, we talk about a lot, Like, it's
2: kind of a... Um, like it's a countercultural idea right now, yeah. you know? which is which is madness to me because I think you can't you can even begin to approach any idea of change unless you are coming to it with a baseline of forgiveness because it, it, because otherwise all that you're saying to somebody is you you either change or you don't deserve to be alive like that's that's the essential thing mm-hmm. if you're not coming to it with change and then. I, I will forgive you for all of these things, and you get it. It comes. It becomes so problematic with this with this strange Twitter culture of calling up all these like people's like history of of mistakes and all these things. So they get really nervous to say anything or speak at all. And mm-hmm. so if you have this 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 culture that can constantly be like dredging up up your past in in this way of just exposing past, which sometimes is is useful, but most often not. People are just not. Forgiving this thing or if somebody makes a mistake, and then you correct them to then let them Actually, shift what they were thinking instead of then just saying, "Oh, this person is not, you know, worth talking to anymore." Mm -hmm. It's like people shutting people down on. It's like, and I hate that I'm about to say Facebook, but like, but because I really have no use.
0: (laughs) Please don't say Facebook on this podcast. (laughs) We're trying not to say. We're trying to say Facebook.
2: Just say email. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, it was like people, people, you know, de- just having this thing of, I am defriending you if you did this thing, instead of saying, yeah, yeah, I yeah. will now have this conversation with you yeah. about think, why, you know. I think
0: it relates to, like, we. We're we're more individualist than we realize, and one of the ways that manifests is that we really care about our personal brand, and like, our, and I think it feels bad to feel tarnished. Like my brand is connected to this other person's brand who says all these horrible things, and that that in and of itself is uncomfortable. No, I also think it's, there's people for whom it's like, each time I hear that, it really kind of like, uh, it drudges things up in me or is traumatizing. I think some of that is also a real thing too, and I think people having their
2: balance like I need to sort of insulate myself from this. Well company. if if you're if you're particularly concerned about your your personal brand, oh. there is no You wouldn't say it that way. I just think that's no, what it is though. Oh no but if you can realize that, that you're that you're you know concerned about your particular brand, then there is no greater hero for you than Donald Trump. Because mm-hmm. he is he is he has successfully merged you know, in a way that nobody else has ever achieved, the the, the self and the name and the naming of the self with mm-hmm. with with the brand. He he is the brand in a way that nobody has ever been so successful at. And if you want to read a great, great, great book that discusses that exactly, "No Is Not Enough" by Naomi Klein, her most oh, yeah, recent yeah. book. Yeah, she's is, wonderful. But yeah, that most recent. Book Shout out to again. Naomi
0: Klein. Come come on the podcast.
3: I have a question, if I can chime in with my laryngitis. Mm-hmm. So, you all who do movement work and you're talking about. Things like justice and forgiveness, and maybe putting forgiveness more in the forefront of the movement. And I'm wondering how you do that when you take such a variety of peoples that have such different worldviews, their framework. And what I mean by that is, uh, like Stefan, for you and I who identify as Christian, um, and maybe Jamie too, I don't want to speak for you all, but how I see this is like, when I look at putting forgiveness in the forefront, I think that my worldview and my framework is built around that, that we live in this constant state of grace, which is by definition unmerited favor. And we're called to constantly, um, uh, you know, show that same type of grace to those around us. And how do you take such a concept that is so spiritual and put it into a place in a movement framework where you don't have an identified spiritual structure you take something like forgiveness that's outside of ego how do you inject that into movement work and have people climb aboard when there's really no identified spiritual element to it that can be named how do you do that
1: i can't answer that because i have to go you, you're asking that question i was like jen don't Adam, please
3: jamie please yeah.
1: please don't lay this I'm on i'm very me right interested now. about this and it's
3: always been my big uh, question, and if I'm honest, criticism of movement work where I'm not entirely bought into it because of this, because I feel like it has to start with people's hearts, and where's the framework to do that
1: in movement? I mean, are we talking about people's hearts, or are we talking about their religiosity?
0: Because I think well, you can reach people's hearts without religiosity.
3: I think, I think what I'm talking about is essentially boils down to a worldview,
0: well, and a um, a commitment, I th- and I think what you, where you can see some of it is when people are in a community together. I, I always go back to like, if you don't have a community, then it makes any of these things really hard. Because what is your accountability to just a random group of people that showed up at an action with you? You you have accountability because you're like, we seem to be holding the same sign, but then at the first at the first sign of like, oh, they they're wrong on this issue, then it's like, oh well, fuck that person. Like hey, that sign away. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not I'm not. They're not my community, but I think you know. I mean, in a, uh, a church or in an activist training or in a like large organization, I think there is um, a lot more room to say like we're going we're gonna to work with each other across these different lines. I think there's a lot of like, potential for transformation of people who've never worked alongside each other saying, you know what, we're all fighting for $15 an hour and we might come from really different backgrounds, but let's find some common ground and grace with each other. But I do what I like about Christianity is that it's that it's the core tenet. Like that's the core thing we believe is that like we're gonna fall short, and um, we have to have forgiveness for one another. We have to have grace, and so it like I think it sets us up to be able, if we're true to that, it sets us up to be committed to each other as people, regardless of our failures. And actually, yeah, Adam. So I don't know if you identify. Well, I mean, Jenna, also, by the way, I go to church all the time, of course. You get out, <laughs> I think you didn't want to I out me to as a speak, Christian, right?
3: No, <laughs> I didn't want to speak for anyone right, would, right. Or Stefan. Yeah. Yeah, that's all.
0: I mean, I'm not the greatest Christian. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can raise higher. my hand to <laughs> that too.
2: Stefan is. Um, well, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I. I I mean, I agree. You know, we're talking about like the fifteen dollars an hour and and that. I, I think that that's that's important to, to establish basic principles. You know that, that you agree on instead of. You know, we're recording here. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to
0: the bag of mango strips getting brought over. <laughs> you just kind of incorporate you. it in, and then it's fine. Yeah, right. I'll, you know, what, I'll take it by in a second. Um, I've been eating those. It's really good, actually. This podcast brought to you by. The thing is it's weird because it's spelled mango. They put an e on it. Mm. I don't know, is that a British spelling because then it looks like it's saying no, it's a man. e- it's, oh. yeah. Mangoes.
3: That's
0: always yes Mangoes always has like an e. Potatoes. yes, like man goes to the movie. yeah, that's how it's spelled Man goes yeah, okay.
3: But mango is just. Oh, without the
0: E? Oh, I know there's no E on the regular one. I don't even think there's an E in the plural one. There is. There I don't is. believe that. Five year spelling, be champion. That is a that is fake news. Don't
3: worry, we're extending grace to your, <laughs> to your failure right now. I don't, now need, I I don't
0: need your grace because I got the truth.
3: <laughs>
0: P-O-T-A-T-O-S is how I do it. I don't put the
2: E in there. It's 2017. Whatever, yeah, G- grammar grammar and spelling is this patriarchy, so don't worry about it. It's good. You're yeah. you're, you're always fighting. Zip zip tumble valid December fittest, Jackie Runaway, Jackal Bruce Willis. <laughs> Difficulty kill the body, done with us. <laughs> Weapon uh, ready, do it, here we go, chew it. Give me numbers, <laughs> I'll never wonder your name. Gotta thunder under sunny sky brain. Rebuck or ruthless, no redeemer, even nothing. Me more than the claim it before leaving. Okay, so like, with the with the idea of these like back to,
0: back to Christianity, failure and forgiveness, right?
2: With, with these, I mean, I think that that's that's the most important thing to to um, to to discover are these kind of baseline principles, and that and those are the things you know that, that kind of can spread over multiple groups with multiple agendas, and and it can genuinely connect people. And I think one of the one of the problematic um, one of the problematic things that can happen you my friend um, one of the things you know the problematic things that can happen is um, so much going on <clears throat> when when the bar for understanding and the bar for connecting with people is set so high that you need to completely understand an individual's entire self
0: mm-hmm.
2: in order to then be allowed to have a conversation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: which you say so break that down you see that happening in what context
2: well in the specific and here I, I know that I'm getting into you know somewhat dangerous territory but like but, but the specific context that that comes into play is with the current state of identity politics mm-hmm. in, in some realms and now I am I'm not a person who falls on the side of identity politics are useless, you know, and, and I'm not somebody who also is like, they're, they're everything. And right now in a lot of conversations that I have with, 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 with friends of mine, they tend to be the baseline, you know, mm-hmm. for the conversation. And that's all that I feel is that they just can't be the baseline for in, especially interpersonal conversations, but- let's break it down what you're saying like someone speaking
0: correct like um the, per, the perfection of being able to speak a certain way yes can't that can't be the baseline mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah and having to know yeah having to get everything right and come to something with with an entire knowledge of entire groups of people that 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 genuinely one cannot have, you know, and, and one can only keep having conversations with people and something that I, that's what I find incredibly important is to keep having endless conversations with every, any, any and everyone that I can come into contact with to, to, to just gain a continued understanding of even how I'm seen, you, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that, that's, that's, you know, in some ways more important is like how, do you, where, how does where you are coming from Inform how you're seeing me, mm-hmm. and so that I can then like uh, adjust things, you know, to, um, and, and yeah, just see some of the historical context and some of the mm-hmm. contemporary context so that then, uh, then I can make, you know, adjustments. And, you know, that just informs my way of communicating with you. And so I, I think that that's, it's just why conversation is the kind of most important thing is that, you know, yeah. conversation where you can be wrong. And where you're also willing to be wrong, you know, like that's you don't you don't just have to be forgiven. You have to, yeah. like Wait, yeah, allow for yourself to you know take that on and, and be and be very incorrect and adjust things and really you know change your point of view. What are you gonna say, me?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just gonna say that that <clears throat> resonates very deeply with me, being a partner with Stefan and feeling profoundly uncomfortable in a lot in certain spaces. Um, Just because I don't want to mess up. Mm -hmm. I so don't want to offend somebody. And there's no way that I can go up to someone and assume that I know their story and everything that's going to make that person feel entirely safe. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we really do need to change the narrative from being from having a set of rules that are based on really um, uh, based on minutia. Does somebody know the verbiage that's going to make me feel safe? Um, which is also a, a real falsehood because someone can know all the terms and their heart can be totally out of alignment. Mm-hmm. You can be the most woke. Totally. And have this undercurrent of like, you know, of evil in your veins sometimes. And so I think what you're saying resonates so true of being able to replace safety, with, um, honesty because honesty begets intimacy.
2: Absolutely. And if we
3: can't be honest, we can't ever get to a place of being intimate with one another and having genuine breakdowns in relationships.
2: Well,
0: I'd go a step further. Cause I think honesty can mean a lot of different things to different people. But I think when we're talking about, um, forgiveness, I mean, being or honest compassion- with where you
3: come to the table, just about right. this is where I am. Mm-hmm. And if I say something, please let me know, but I'm just going to be honest with my understanding of things. And I'm in the position of I'm open and I want to learn and that's why I'm, he- why I'm here.
0: Earlier we um, were talking about actual language, right? Like speaking, like you're about to live in French for a few weeks or months or you I don't know how long. Three, I'll be there for three months. You're about to live a French life for three months. I'm about to go to Japan and I'll be living a Japanese existence for two weeks. Um, Jen, you have been having your voice, you've had your voice taken away almost and mm-hmm. you're having to speak with a uh, with a more effortful... It, it takes it's hard for you to speak right now and you work as a speech language pathologist you work with people who are trying to learn you're trying to help them be able to speak uh, better so like I feel like any situation where that's drawn attention to then you also you have to look at the person's heart like if I say something in Japanese that's way off they're gonna know that it's that's not like my intention is to say that in fact if I was trying to be offensive I would have to like say it 10 times so that's yeah. like no I really meant that in the offensive way that it seemed I could get away with it a lot One of the things you're not supposed to do is eat while walking. Really? I love eating while walking, which I never (laughs) thought of until it was culturally taboo. Mm. But um, I guess that's where I go back to, like, if there's these ideas like love and compassion and forgiveness that I think have lost a lot of currency because I think people see them as naive, soft, and that's, like, the thing that the, the state or the establishment sort of, like, pushes out there. Like, it's the same way you kind of whitewash Martin Luther King's image. So there's... I think there's this feeling like if, if we ascribe to those that we're being, we're being naive and we're kind of falling for it, you know, if it's like, oh, love trumps hate. It's like, no, actually it's punch a Nazi, you know, like punch a Nazi has the currency and love trumps hate just feels like this, 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 you know, weak thing. Um, and I feel like there's, you know, the challenge of Martin Luther King or Jesus or any of these folks is to say like, um, there's actually something really, really bold about actual... The, the times when people actually do forgive someone who's like killed their child, you know, there's there's stories of that. Those are real things that happen, and that takes this um, this kind of otherworldly source for a lot of people. And a lot of those folks are drawing upon faith to do that. Yeah. And so I, I feel like my task with Stefan and in the art that we create is to figure out ways to like draw attention to how badass like love and compassion and forgiveness really are as a technology, and how. That should be something that we all strive for.
1: Can
3: I share a short, a short story uh, yeah. that this kind of brings That's up for me? Start page one. Um, and I told this to Adam earlier tonight, when we're talking about communicating with people and wanting to connect with people and wanting things to somehow become better, that we, we so often fail and miss the mark because we are, um, we're so unaware of the, the nuance around how we communicate in the history that people really literally carry in their blood and in their DNA. We know science shows us that history is actually in people's DNA. And that there's a framework when we come in to interact with every individual that we may that may not be visible or something that we're even able to communicate with our words. And this became really apparent to me when I was in I think it was my first year of marriage with Stefan and Jamie, you all had just gotten back from tour and your bus was totally disgusting, It was so trashed. Thank you. And Stefan <laughs> came home Thank you for being honest. And he was really he was really exhausted. And but he knew this van had to be cleaned out and he didn't want to do it. it was kind of looming over his head. And I, wanting to be a good partner, was like, Well, Stefan, go and just take a nap and I will clean out your van for you. Don't worry about it. So I went outside, and it took me about two hours of like bagging stuff up, wiping stuff down, and I finally got to where I could see the floor of the van, and there was this big heavy plank like across the floor. I don't know what it was, but I couldn't lift it. And it was really frustrating to me. I tried and tried, and so eventually I was like, well. I'm gonna have to ask Stefan to come down and help me. Well, we live on the, the second floor in an apartment building, and after two hours of like carrying bags out of a car, I was really exhausted, and I didn't want to come up to get Stefan. So I rang the doorbell just to see if he would come out and help me, and he didn't come down. So I waited a couple minutes. I rang the doorbell again, and he came outside, and he was so irritated with me. He was looking at me with these like in this really nasty way, and. Um, was really short with me, and I said, Stefan, like, what's going on? I've been cleaning out your van, and I just need you to help me with one thing, and you seem to be really irritated. And he just said, I don't understand why you can't just walk upstairs and ask me to come help you. And I said, well, I was just really tired, and it was just innocent thing. I Just ringing the door, doorbell was way easier for me. So anyway, we kind of let it rest at that, and then the next day I was still thinking about it. And it just felt really gross to me. So I brought it back up again and I said, this is kind of bothering me and stuff and said, yeah, I really had to think about why I felt such a way. I felt like this fire inside of me um, over like what happened yesterday. And I sat with it for a while and I realized it was a white woman summoning me by ringing a bell for having me come to help her mm-hmm. in like this whole historical context that wasn't even apparent to Stefan as to why he felt instantly angry. And I give that framework because I feel like so many times when we come into conversation with people, that history is there in so many other ways that we may or may not be aware of. And that just to, when we talk about framing spaces, maybe the best way to keep it safe is just to acknowledge that that exists in some form with every single one of us and right and that those triggers we might not even be able to identify right away Stefan's very self-aware and it took him a long time of sitting with that to figure out why he was so well, set off by that
0: you're you, are, you all are married you live in the same house mm-hmm. you know you're going to have the conversation the next day you know that you can you're you, you've built up trust where he can share that with you and and you can listen and you maybe three days later thought of some other aspect to it. And so it happens in the context of a relationship. If you were two people who had just been working together for four hours for a march and then you weren't going to see each other again, that never would have come to light, but thus, those emotions would have been there. So all of it to me just underscores like if we're in a community together, if we have relationships where the, the commitment is the relationship, um, the commitment isn't to be perfect and get everything right. The, the recognition is like, I'm going to fall short, or, or even just if we take away the like the idea of mistakes or not mistakes. I'm going to bump up against each other in ways that might frustrate them or irritate them, um, and they might not know why. But we will have time at some point to talk about why and deepen that understanding. I think that is the the biggest source of power, um, and then I think ultimately, like I mean, for me, like being Christian means knowing that like every person on this planet has that same set of like stories that, if given enough time we could uncover and like get to some of those, the sources of different things. And that somehow this dude in Las Vegas, who was just, just sort of a, a, a mystery to me, a monster to me, like he's all of these things. I, I, I generally can't even think of like a mindset. Like I can think of like what a pedophile's mindset, I can think of all these different, like I think I get what Columbine shooters will go. Through. I can't even like envision what this guy's mindset was. But like ultimately I feel like as a Christian called to like the, the some um the, the 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 faith that like there would be some way in which um that person's true humanity could be recognized. I'm not there right now, but like I feel like that's what no one needs to know. You're not
3: woke yet, Jamie.
0: I'm not woke yet. <laughs> So that's our conversation with Adam Stone and uh, and uh, Jen Wood and um, I guess it's probably Bracket actually mm-hmm. well hopefully I'll get that right in the credits so thanks for checking it out um, if you want to hear the full length uh, Rattle the Cage remix part one uh, you can find that on our website or our uh, YouTube channel um, and uh, for more information on Lucy uh, Adam's incredible project um, check out the description And we'll be back uh, Friday with a little extra for you.